Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The best things happen after dark. Nightclubs are the ultimate space for self expression, escape, music, socializing, and forgetting for a moment the outside world. They're a place to discover ourselves, find new friends, and fall in love. As humans, we like to dance to a beat, and there's nothing like a good night out. I'm Jody Harsh. I'm a DJ, producer, and occasional club promoter. I know how to tear up a dance floor, and for this podcast, I want to explore with my guests how club culture and going out has shaped their identities and informed their work. I've got us the guest list and cue jump sorted, so we'll delve right into the hazy memory banks and hit the floor. This is Life of the Party. This episode's guest is an icon from the countrywide club circuit to TV stardom, both in and out of drag. This is an unparalleled career in popular culture. We knew her as Lily Savage, the rough broad you wouldn't want to mess with. And we know him as lovely Paul O'Grady, a British entertainment institution. Paul, you are the OG and this is your life of the party. How's it going? God, God help me. All right, fine, yes. All this can... Everybody seems to have a different system, you know, for whether it's a podcast or you're doing something on telly. So, and of course, I am not the best with computers. I mean, I'm really not. And I end up like on a Valium drip by the time yep. I go on air because, <laughs> because I've had to get changed. I had a jumper on before, sweating like a hooer in oh. confession, looking for the laptop. Well, you are record- <laughs> we're recording loud and clear. It's all good. Oh, jolly good. Songs you can hear me. No, yeah. I'm fine. How are you getting on with yeah, the new I'm all, lockdown? I'm all right. Yeah, you know, not ideal, but getting through it. We can still talk about the good times, about the parties. Oh, exactly. Do you know what I found here? Well, I was I was tidying up today. I had a, you know, as you do in lockdown, you chuck all your clothes out. Yeah. And you go mad. I found a boys, you know, boys. Oh, boys, boys magazine. magazine. Yes, the clubbing Bible. That's it. From the 16th of December, 1991. Oh! <gasps> Wow. And on the on the front cover is Lily Savage gets her claws out for Christmas. And oh. a, <laughs> I'm holding a moggy. And your chance to win Jimmy Somerville's racing bike and give to AIDS <laughs> charities. That's it's nice. a different world, isn't it? Isn't it lovely? And I, I love that. And it's packed full of clubs and pubs from yesteryear. Most of them have gone now. Wow. But, um, I forgot how many there were. You of know, course. there were so many. Yeah. First of all, though, I want to start at the very beginning. Was there much of a party atmosphere in the O'Grady house growing up? Um, I think that, yeah, um, yeah that, you see, we uh, my mum's side were all Merchant Navy. So they were away for a long time. So, of course, when they came back from sea, you know, it was what they called jars out. So, that you know, there'd be a lot of um, socialising going on. You know, somebody get a battle of booze or whatever, that'd be in the kitchen and there'd be a do. <laughs> so there, were, there was lots of that, and um, yeah, I suppose there was really. 
when I was very young, there was. You yeah. Know, but as we all got, as they all got older, of course, all that stopped. Yeah. Didn't and then to see anymore or anything like that. And you frequented Liverpool, which was uh, a working dog. Oh dark. my God! What? I mean, you know, <laughs> lots of sailors. Oh well, this is it. it. Was a thriving port, you see. I mean, in my day when I was a teenager. So of course, when I discovered clubs, well, that was it. From I mean, I've always worked in clubs, you know, either behind the bar or on la- what was laughingly known as a stage in yeah. most clubs. Yeah. And um, so I'm. Um, it's sort of it's it's in me blood, club and pub life, really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even at the age of seventeen, you know, and I had an office job. I had a job in a club called the Sandpiper afterwards in Birkenhead. You know, right. it's two in the morning. Right. And so I, I genuinely have a real love for clubs and pubs. I love them. I just. Love of the atmosphere so suppose yeah liverpool of course heaving with sailors um we had there was a club on every corner and a boozer on every corner right and the gay scene was um the bears poor which was supposedly the classier one i worked behind the bar in there and then there was sadie's bar royale up right. Right. <laughs> what went on around sadie's then well, well sadie was fearsome <laughs> So, and like Sadie was a Liverpool legend, Sadie. You don't have to mention Sadie to some of my ear. They go, oh my God. Anyway, I don't know what Sadie's real name was, but you'd ring the bell and it was quite a flight of stairs to go up. And Sadie would open the window and stick his head out and go, Are you a member? <laughs> and we go, It's me, Sadie. They go, Ah. And my mate, he didn't like my mate at all. And he always used to say, She pissed. I said, No, no, I haven't been to be rotten drunk. No. And we'd have to climb up these. It was, it was something like 20p to get in, but it was packed, you know, yeah. and, and it was just a, a laugh. And certain pieces of music, if I hear, like, if I hear Fifth Dimension, Wedding Bell Blues, I'm transported immediately back to Sadie's. If I hear Spirit in the Sky, I'm whisked back to St. Werberg's disco, age 14. Wow. You were going out that young, at 14? Oh, oh God, the school disco, St. Werberg Social Club. Yeah, off we go, you know, and the, the parish priest would be there. And if you got too close when you were dancing with a girl, he'd say, separate. No, come on, separate. You're too close. You're too close. It's a bit like social distancing. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's it and we all used to love Spirit in the Sky and the priests thought we were marvellous because we used to sing along to it and it was all about you know um, I'm going to have faith in Jesus and all that and when I die and they lay me to rest and you think oh they're marvellous children lovely holy kids <laughs> and we weren't we were swans we'd been in the pub next door pretending we were 18 and talking like this and ask if it's terrible drinks that we thought uh, grown up men drank like brown over bitter which was Oof. brown ale over like you couldn't drink it I'd sip it like sit <laughs> so yeah so I was always out you know and, um, and not now of course mm. now I live in the depths of Kent yeah I was reading your book the other day and, and I, was, um, I was reading about you hanging out in the international club on Lum Lane in Bradford and all the characters down there oh my god there was a pub on uh, Lum Lane called, I think it was called the Queens, and we used to um, we used to work in the Queens. <laughs> Rough doesn't come into it. Right. <laughs> I mean, really, there's not really a word for the Queens, but they were a great crowd. And then there was the International Club on the corner. Well, that sounds very glamorous. Well, this was the time of the Yorkshire Ripper, right? You know, so you. you so we'd go, oh, you'd be working the international club as well. And the girls would say to me, come on, walk the lane with us. So I'd be full Lily Savage gear. And I'd go <laughs> strutting me stuff down Lum Lane, you know, with all these cars cruising. And one of them pulled up <laughs> once. 
and Anne went, get in. And I said, hang on, we haven't discussed terms first. <laughs> and he went, what? <laughs> Drove off like 90 mile an hour. <laughs> Do you think it was the Yorkshire Ripper? No, I don't, shouldn't think so, unless the Yorkshire Ripper was about four foot two, boys <laughs> with glasses like the entry shields. <laughs> I drove a Morris Minor. <laughs> I mean, they were, um, it was strange times then, because we were working a lot in Yorkshire, you know, and so you'd work, say, Halifax, you know, a place called Mixenden, the stone chair, and then you'd shoot off over to, I don't know, Selby or somewhere, or, you know, I mean, so you did cover long distances every mm. night. So, of course, you didn't get changed. You just jumped in the car in full regalia and went right. off to the next venue. And there were often roadblocks. You know, the police would stop and like look in the back. And there's this great big blonde old scrubber sat in the back there with the fag on. <laughs> and they'd say, drive on. <laughs> so you spent years just driving up and down the country from club to club performing. Oh, I mean... There was a time where any, you name any city or town in this country, and I knew a publican, <laughs> like I'd know, because I'd either worked there or I'd been in there, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Because that was it, you know, and after you'd done y- y- your act, you'd have a drink with the landlord or you'd have a drink with the club manager. So, or some of the crowd you got to know as well. It was very social when I think about it. Mm. You know, it wasn't just going off and, and doing a gig. It was like, you know... People are being in and out of the dressing room. How are you? You know, wherever you were. Yeah. It was good fun. And so was that sort of working men's clubs and variety clubs? No, I, I only ever did a working man's club once. And that was in, where was that? Oh, God. Wakefield. And on I came. <laughs> and halfway through the act, I heard this voice saying, Bingo in 20 minutes. Get your tickets. <laughs> I thought, charming. It was the MC. And that's what they were like. So I only ever, I only ever worked one or maybe two. And we filmed in one. We filmed in the Leighton Institute Club. That was good fun. But no, mainly I worked the gay scene. Right, right. I did a hen night once and I said, never again. It was like a, a den of wolves, you know, when right. the male stripper came on. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought, I thought, teeth marking his bum and all this business, <laughs> grabbing his bits. I'm, I'm dabbing a bit of TCP on him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I bet you've seen a lot of awful backstages as well, a lot of rough dressing rooms. Well, you were lucky if you got one, to tell you the truth. It was either a cupboard somewhere, you know, that passed as a dressing room, and the, the sink was always known as the artiste lav. Right. Because <laughs> everybody peed in the sink. It was, like, disgusting. Or you'd be in the cellar, or you'd be at the bottom of the stairs behind the bar, or you'd be in the, um, the manager's office or whatever. Right. You know, it was occasionally... There was a pub, it was called the Union Tavern. It's still there, it's got a different name now. And that was in Vauxhall. And um, that had a fabulous dressing room, you know, and a beautiful big stage with a big catwalk that went straight out into the audience. That was a great place to work. The Vauxhalls wasn't bad. Yeah. You know, it was a little dressing room with a sink. Yeah, and it, it served its purpose. The White Swan was a cupboard. Right. <laughs> little cupboards. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> you get in there and you can wash your hands and not go to the loo. <laughs> well, that's East London, isn't it, the White Swan? The White Swan's still going, yeah. I mean, a lot of them still are. What about Blackpool? Did you do Funny Girls? No, I never... Oh, yes, I did. I did a charity one night when I was up there with uh, Bessie Legs, who's a friend of mine, Simon, who I've known for years. But the Flamingo Club, I opened. Right. Oh, my God. And that, like, you know, that makes me Jurassic because yeah. that's been going since the year one. Right. And that was a top, a tiny... It was a top floor. That's all it was with the bar. And you worked on the dance floor. And um, 
it was like another era when I think about it. But you used to do three days there, so it was great because you got three days in Blackpool. Yeah, nice. So you could go, you know, go, go to the fair, have a mooch round. You stayed in a, a, a gay B and B, which is still going, called yeah. Trades. Yeah, and I thought oh, it was fun. This is like this is a holiday with pay. It was yeah. wonderful. Yeah, was there a big divide <laughs> between the, the north and south? Like, could you tell that was there a lot of difference in nightlife or a snobbishness? Uh, yeah, there was a yeah a big difference. I mean, um, I'd say it was, and I don't mean this. It was not rougher. It was um, it was it was far. It was more easy going. I'd say up north and down south. You know what I mean? The crowd in in the pubs. Mm. So like we we used to spend a lot of time in Leeds. So I was never out the new Penny. That's a pub, and that's still going. And I used to love the Penny. And there was a club over the road. I can't remember the name of it. We'd all pile in there afterwards and it was friendlier that's what i'm looking for it was a lot friendlier right down south it's a, it was a little bit a bit, bit colder bit more, mm, yeah a bit more standoffish really mm. down south you know if you spoke to somebody at the bar down south you think they would you they think assume you were chatting them up and you weren't yeah <laughs> you yeah. know you're just saying can i get through please <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. What I mean, I want to buy a drink, and yeah. I'm not interested. Yeah, but Lily was born in London, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. And that sort of—I mean, I was in. Oh God, we used to do. I was in various mime acts originally. There was the Glamazons, and then we had the Playgirls, and then there was LSD, Lily, Sav- Lily, Sandra, and Doris, and then I've lost track actually. High Society, me and Adrella, and that was a combination. All sorts of acts, and. Um, and they used to have a talent night. There's a pub in Vauxhall. It's gone now. It's called, it's a Starbucks. But it used to be called the Elephant and Castle. And it was the place where anyone who was barred from a pub could go and have a drink. Right. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> there was a men's hostel next door. So one bar was full of all the, all the homeless, all in there having a drink. And then the front bar was where you worked. Right. <laughs> Quite a lively place. So they, they had a talent night, and I was working behind the bar as usual. Always had a bar job. In in drag? No, as myself. Yeah. Yeah. Not, I never worked behind the bar. Oh, yes, I did once in Halifax. So <laughs> go on, drag up. So I'm behind the bar in drag. So feeling like an old dance all hostess. I'll never do this again. Yeah. And anyway, um, I, said to, I said to the manager, Joe, you know, I could do better than that about the comp or whoever it was. So he said, well, go on then. And so the following week, um, up I got and, and just did it, you know, and, and that was it, really. It was never a career move. Right. You know, it was just just really so, something. To, I was waiting in social services. Right. So, so that's at the Elephant and Castle. And were you well received or did you, you know? Yeah, this yeah. is it. I was amazed. Yeah. And I didn't like really know any jokes or anything. I just padded it on. Right. You know, made up, I'm talking about things like the social, you know, shoplifting and fiddling the electricity meter. Right. You know, all like. Because it sounds like it might have been a bit of a rough crowd down there. So do you think they could just relate to you straight away? Oh, rough. You're joking, aren't you? Yeah, but mind you, Lily was the roughest thing in there, I can tell yeah. you. <laughs> that's, maybe that's why you had them in the palm of your hand. But then it got very trendy, you see, these Tuesday nights. And um, so you get the likes of Catherine Hamnick coming down. Wow. And various media types and comedians and also. And I wasn't aware. And I got very friendly with Catherine. So off we went to Paris and we did a, a fashion show on the Seine for her. And we did a show and did various bits and pieces with her. A fashion aid at the Albert Hall. Lily in a T-shirt saying, feed the world. <laughs> 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 and there were such good times, you know, they really were. So the elephant, and then of course I was, I was, um, 
I was poached by the Vauxhall Tavern. Yes. And over I went. I think they offered me an extra tenner and being a bit right. of a hull, off I went. And, um, yeah. <laughs> And that was it. And I worked there for eight years. Yeah, because that's probably the place most associated with you before your TV fame kicked off. Would you say that was sort of your your home base to sort of incubate Lily before she was unleashed onto the mainstream? Oh, definitely. Because I always say, you know, I went to the um, the Royal Vol- Vauxhall Tavern, uh, School of Dramatic Arts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it was a f- smashing pub. It still is a smashing pub. You know, it's still going strong. It's mm. had a sort of new life now. You know, it's yeah. completely changed from what it used to be because it was a South London working class pub. Yeah. You know, and they had acts on every night of the week, twice on a Saturday and on a Sunday lunch, Sunday evening. You know, it was a busy, busy pub. And I lived up the road in South Lambeth Road. So it was my, it was like our village hall. We used to meet right. every night, you know, if we weren't working. Yeah. And all your mates were there. And we had our corner that other people didn't sit in. <laughs> you go over and give them the mean stare. What are you doing in my seat? Up it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and like the landlord, you know, Pat and Breed and McConnell, and Pat's no longer with us now. Um, they were like family. Yeah. You know, and we had lock-ins and we had uh, funerals there and parties there and Christmases there. It was just, it was, it was, it was like our village hall. Yeah. Is that story about um, Princess Diana and Freddie Mercury going on a night out in the RVT, is that true? I don't know about that, to tell you the truth. The jury's out with me. I mean, really is because one, she wouldn't go unnoticed in the Vauxhall. They'd spot her, you know. Right. They really would. And also, if she was with Freddie, you know, Freddie Mercury and Kenny Everett as well, well, they're going to draw attention. So there's lots of legends about the Vauxhall Tavern. Like, you know, people say, oh, it was a musical. Mary Lloyd sang there. It wasn't. <laughs> it was a lorry driver's pub called the Roundhouse. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, it's built on what was the Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens, guaranteed. Oh. So it's got a, a huge history of entertainment, but the pub itself, you know, was never... You know, somebody said, oh, it's called Royal because Queen Victoria popped in. I thought, well, why would Queen Victoria pop in an ale house in South London? Where's she been? The Oval to watch cricket? <laughs> I forgot. So there's lots of legends, you know, surrounding yeah. the pub. But I mean, I love the place, uh, the Vauxhall. I'm, I'm just, I'm so fond of it. I can't, I had such good times there. Yeah. And it almost, um, obviously it almost closed at one point, didn't it? And I think you were quite instrumental when helping save it, weren't you? Well, I kicked off. Well, we, I, when Pat and Breeder left, me and Murphy um, were going to take it over. Anyway, the brewery turned us down because we didn't have any experience or whatever. And then it sort of went through a terrible decline, the Vauxhall, for a while. Because I remember Regina used to work it. She, uh, she, Regina Fong had been hauled over and I'd get the phone call at two o'clock in the morning. She'd be half pissed and she'd be going, never again, darling, never again. <laughs> There's about 10 people in, uh, just dreadful, darling. And I get all this. <laughs> and, um, and then she'd be back there the week after. She'd be back there, God love her. But, you know, she'd have a, <laughs> they were really lovely to her, the management. And, um, and then, of course, it sort of took off again and became this, well, I don't know, it's a completely different animal now, the Vauxhall Tavern. Yeah. You know, there's cushions. Yeah. Cushions. <laughs> One time you only ever had a cushion if somebody collapsed or to soak up the blood. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, you know, and they do things like, I don't know, nice meals. You know, it used to be a bag of crisps. It's a gastro pub now. <laughs> well, I can't be doing with gastro pubs. I'm sorry. I don't want to go in a pub to eat cuss cuss and look at kids. <laughs> You know? 
<laughs> I like a traditional pub. You know, now since they stop smoking, you walk in a pub, you smell the toilets is the first yeah. thing. <laughs> and, you know, I, I like really old-fashioned boozers. It's like clubs. I like the drinking clubs, you know, because yeah. when we used to work at, we did a season at Madame Jojo's while the original lot went off on a holiday. Right. And, of course, it was a time where there was a, loads of drinking clubs, all of them illegal. So we pile out of Jojo's, you know, two, three in the morning, pile into a drinking club, pile then into Chinatown, have a Chinese meal for breakfast, and then, oh, you know, it was a vampiric life. What time would you go for Chinese? About five in the morning, five or six. Wow. There was always a Chinese restaurant that was open on the corner who got to know us really well. And you'd just pop round there in drag before you go home pop and take round a there. We'd, no, we weren't in drag. No, we'd get changed and, oh. uh, from the club. Oh, no, we'd had enough of that. Oh, slapped up. Yeah. <laughs> All that come <laughs> off. And we go, like, off we go, like, round the round the clubs for a drink. So what were the other clubs? Like, just little speakeasies dotted around Soho and stuff? They, yeah, they were all over the place, you know. they were obviously, Some of them were, like, dreadful fire hazards. And you get in there and think, I've had this if there's a fire in here. And of course, there was Jerry's. That was Jerry's is completely legit, bottom of Dean Street. Jerry's is like a drinking club as well, and it, it's oh, it's a legend, Jerry's. And I just hope Jerry's is still a lot, it's still going. I really do because I'd cry if Jerry's went. It's just further down from the French house. That used to be another one of my homes, the French. In fact, when I had the heart attack, Murphy said he went down Old Compton Street. And every homeless person said, how savage. And every <laughs> bouncer on the door said, how is he? And he said, I don't believe it. He said, what kind of life are you leading? He said, the, the bouncer on Ronnie Scott's came running out and said, how is he? Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I know because I was always out, you know, like Shadow Lounge, the yeah. View Bar. And I used to work clubs down there as well. What were the other, in the sort of the 90s, what were the other clubs? Like the, I guess there was the Heaven, it's always been there. Well, Heaven used to be a roller disco, believe it or not, called Global Village. Really? Yeah, in the early days. Really? Yeah, and we used to go down there and put on roller skates and break our neck. Oh. Imagine it blind drunk, go, go <laughs> flying around 90 mile an hour on roller skates. I mean, there's so many accidents. There was a club at the back of Heaven as well, wasn't there? The st- that was called Stallions. Right. What was that? Was it st- Stallions? Yes, it was Stallions. And that used to have on a Monday night, it was called Skin 2. Right. And it was sort of rubber and leather fetishists, you oh. know, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so you go, mm. we go in there and like think, oh, this is all very... You'd be talking to somebody head to toe in a rubber cat suit <laughs> with a hood. So, oh, yes, just chatting away, you know. It was, it was really hot. Oh, my God. I mean, years ago, there were drinking clubs called Le Toucan. There was that. And then there was the A&B. That was a famous drinking club. That was gay. And um, where else was there? And then, the, of course... There was heaven, and underneath heaven was a leather bar called the Cellar Bar that was all very cruisy and dark, you know, and, and they had, like, sentry boxes, so you'd walk through and there'd be, some, you know, a fella in a vest and a, and a leather waistcoat sort of glaring at you. think, oh, this is terrifying. With a hanky <laughs> in his back pocket. Oh, God, and all that business and keys and all manner of chains and all sorts of studs. Oh, it all sounds a bit kinky <laughs> and, for me. Yeah. <laughs> so there was that. And then, of course, there was Bangs, which became G-A-Y. Right, so that was the Astoria, yeah, of course. Yeah, that was Colin Peters. He, he was a DJ there. Was Earl's Court still a big hub of the gay scene? There was, yeah, there was the Cola, and that was the leather bar, the Cola. Right. They used to have jazz on a Sunday morning, which was fabulous. 
because you can go there and sort of with your hangover. Yeah, and then over the road was I think it was called Bromptons, which was a bit rough. That was that was sort of had a bit of a reputation for rent boys and things. Right. Never went in there. Right. <laughs> and then there was somewhere around the corner, which I think was a bit dicey. I can't remember the name of it. And then there was a um, a, a street called Wharfdale Street, where when the coal lane closed, because this was like half 10, 11 o'clock days, they cruise up and down Wharfdale Street, you know, carrying the bike helmets like a handbag. Yeah. <laughs> Like, what is going? And I hadn't arrived that long in London, and I'd be thinking, you know, I've come from Birkenhead and Liverpool. All this was a novelty. I think, what's going on? Yeah, <laughs> like it was a new, completely new world to me. Yeah. And who were you hanging out with back in the early nineties? Like, who was in your crew when Lily first first hit it? Oh God, there were loads of us. I mean, sadly, a lot of them are dead now. You know, this is it. Yeah. I mean, quite a lot, in fact. Um, yeah. Oh, there were gangs of us, and uh, there was all the drag queens then. I mean, David Dale's still, thank God, still with us, who I speak to regularly. Regina's no longer with us. Adrella's gone. You know, Hush is gone. They've all gone, you know what I mean? But there'd always be a huge gang of us. Like, mm. uh, and Hush used to make the costumes and do wigs and all this business. Dolls get the bookings, and I'd make the tapes. <laughs> oh, so you were a bit of a team. You'd all have your sort of. Oh, are we were no, we were very self-sufficient. Yeah, and off we and hush. You'd all play to your strengths. Yeah, there used to be a tour that you did years and years ago, and it was um, it was two nights in the Red Lion Music Bar in Mansfield, and then you went from there to the Falstaff in Lincoln, and then you went to, from there, which we all loved, to a hotel called the Green Hamilton just outside York where you got a hotel room, it was luxury, and three meals a day. <laughs> it was unbelievable. <laughs> and it was run by Sid and Dennis. The, these, these two were fabulous, really looked after us. And that's where I learned to fire eat. Oh. Because the manager was an ex-stripper. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he taught me to fire. I had third-degree burns for about a month until I mastered it. I was determined to master fire eating. An excellent skill to have, though, fire eating. Well, it's coming handy, I can tell you, over the years. <laughs> You know, I, I, when I've been called upon, I taught McFly to my to fire eat. <laughs> so, um, when AIDS um, struck, how did that change the scene in London? Oh, that was terrible. You know, when that hit, because sort of, because we heard all these stories about, you know. Um, uh, American coals attract uh, affecting gay men and they didn't know what it was and we all thought well it's in America you know well, well, it doesn't bother us as you do and of course it, c- it came over like a tidal wave you know it was just shocking people were dropping like flies you know you'd be, I'd be on stage in the Vauxhall or whatever pub and you'd look and people had what we called the look you know it was all of a sudden they gone from like really healthy looking to quite gaunt with the big starey eyes mm. and you think oh no god not another and it was odd with me but Lily it, I sort of the dressing room in the Vauxhall became a bit of a confessional because people come in to me and say I've been for a test today mm. and I'd say oh Anne they go it's positive and I'd say I didn't really know we didn't know anything about it then I'd say well it's only it'll be gone shortly so like a cold wouldn't worry about it because we knew nothing about it, you know, it was when he really hit. And then we were doing shows on the wards, me and Adrella. We used to go on St. Mary's. Um, Adrella used to dress as a matron, typically. And I'd be a hooery nurse. Mm-hmm. And I used to have the trolley with them, um, you know, the wee bottles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the cardboard wee bottles, one full of red wine, one full of white. 
<laughs> entertaining. <laughs> yeah, you know, we did. And I remember um, when it first hit, there was a guy I knew from the market tavern, seriously ill. And I went in, we knew nothing about it. And I said, is, what, is there anything you want? And he said, I'd kill for a fag. So because I'm in full regalia and had the handbag because the cigs in it and all that. So I lit a fag and I gave it to him and he smoked it. He was smoking. He said, I can't, I can't smoke at all. He said, hey, I'll Lil, finish it. And I could see that, like, everyone's face. Is he going to put the ciggy in his mouth? Because it was the early days. And I sort of knew this is not how you catch This is not the way you catch this. Mm. So I took it off him quite casually and smoked it, mainly for him. Mm. You know what I mean? Because I didn't want to go, no, I'm all right, thanks. I won't bother. Because he'd had quite enough of that before he came into hospital. Yeah. And in the early days on the AIDS wards, you know, you had to wear masks and things and gloves and there was yellow tape like a crime scene all over the place. Yeah. And it was it was pretty, it, you know, people wouldn't work on the wards because, again, they were ignorant. Nobody knew where it was coming from. Yeah. So it was, yeah, they were bad times. I was either at hospitals or at funerals. Right. For about two to three years, yeah. non-stop. So you lost a lot of friends to it. Oh, loads, yeah, yeah, loads. We all did, though. You yeah. know, we really, all of us did. Yeah, it was dreadful. And Lily became a bit of a, um, an agony aunt, maybe. Yes, yeah, and, we, and the, yeah, yeah, you know, and it was nice, because I remember um, a young lad, he was a design student. Oh, God, and I went to see him, and he'd gone blind, and he was almost paralysed. And he was a pretty little lad, and he had so much going for him, and he said, I've only ever slept with one fella. Mm. <laughs> I thought, oh, God. And I said, why did you tell me? He said, I didn't tell you, I tell Lily. Mm. <laughs> and I thought, maybe she's, I don't know, accessible. Maybe she can handle all these terrible things, yeah. you know. Yeah. And that's why they confided in it, even though they knew it was me. Yeah. But in a different guise. It yeah. Was, it was, they were very sad times. They really were, you know, it was just shocking. Yeah. It really was shocking. And there were raids, weren't there, on some of the venues? Oh, for God's sake. I was in more raids than Gypsy Rose Lee at one time. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I remember the big raid in the Vauxhall Tavern. We had a swine of a chief police in South London. It was so homophobic. And I was, I was in the dressing room and this copper burst in. And I said, are you the stripper? Which you would do. You know, you'd think yeah. he was a male stripper. Yeah. And he went, enough of that. Come on, you out. And when I looked outside there, there, was, there must have been about 30 or 40 coppers all wearing rubber gloves. Wow. So I shouted from the top of the steps by the stage, have you come to do the washing up? <laughs> and pandemonium broke out. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. The wagon was getting filled outside and taken to Brixton Nick. And Did you ever get arrested? No, they didn't. They never got me, no. I never got thrown in the wagon. I was quite looking forward to it and all, going in the wagon. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> and there was a couple of places I was in. There was a place in Manchester, I remember, it was raided. And the copper said to me, not you again. And <laughs> Because it was, it was, again, it was all to do, you know, with the AIDS crisis. There was a lot of homophobia going on. Gay people were to be avoided like the plague because you could catch it off them. Mm. There was all that. And what, what year would this have been? It had been 80s, 90s, I think. I'm just, I'm looking at this boys thing where they're collecting. So I'd say it was late 80s, early mm. 90s. Not that long ago. No, not at all. 30 not years all, ago. You know. I often think the young, the younger generation of gays don't, don't know or care to know what it was like back then. Probably not, no. What would you say to someone new on the gay scene who may... Not well, do you know, what? I'd never lectured anyone, me. Yeah. I'm not, listen, I'm no role model. I'm seen as a warning. Right. <laughs> it's true. 
And so I'd, I'd just say, you know, be careful, you know. And, of course, half of them are off their head on drugs. They don't know what the bloody hell they're doing. It's almost like necrophilia. Well, yeah, drugs, are, hard drugs have become a massive part of the gay scene. Do you think, how do you think drug use has affected the community? I mean, for, for a start, some of this stuff, I didn't even, MDF, is it? MDF, what's it called? MD, MDF, MDMA. The MDMA. MD, MD, MDMA. MDMA. Yeah. Is that the stuff you drink? Oh, GHB, GHB. Oh, is that that? Yeah. And then there's all these weird crack cocaine and all this, and you think, oh, for God's sake. I mean, I remember when I was I, my, I was a teenager, we used to take Pro Plus. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd say things like, do you think people can tell we're off our heads? This is to go to the Wigan Casino, the all-nighters. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we'd had three plow pros, which is like a strong cup of coffee. Yeah. We would say, where have you been all night? <laughs> yeah, and we were fine. You know, it was probably the most innocent night out, the Wigan Casino, another great club there. What went on there? It was just, um, they played great music at the Wigan Casino, Northern Soul, mm. you know, so you get you get Aretha Franklin, you wouldn't get, like in Sadie's or any of the other clubs, or in the... the, the uh, the Babaloo, you yeah. know, and all these. There was Uglies, the Beachcomber, all these clubs. Yeah. And, of course, uh, you wouldn't get that kind of music there. But uh, th- they were the very early days. I must have been about 16 when I was going to the Wigan Casino. Wow. <laughs> One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. <laughs> Lily became a TV sensation. Well, I never intended that to happen. Yeah. Did you have to water Lily down? Because she was, she was quite outrageous. Well, you see, I couldn't get... They wouldn't touch me with the barge pole in the early days because of that. You know, they think, oh, no, she's too rough, you know. And also, you were labelled pub act. Yeah. And even worse, he's gay. Yeah. You know, so, so, you know, you had quite a lot of... Op- it's not like now, you know, with the drag race and all that, where it's so much easier. Yeah. Well, it's plain sailing now. Those days, forget it, you know. You had a load of obstacles to overcome. It was a lot tougher. Yeah. So, um I'd do the odd thing and normally I'd be on like, I don't know, regional telly at four in the morning or something like that or Channel 4 doing stuff for them. And then really, I think it was sort of the Edinburgh Festival when I went up there because I had no idea. I just saw it as another job, you know, lousy paid one for three weeks. Yeah. So, so, and I was, I had to be like, convinced to go I said I ain't going up there for three weeks for that blah 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 yeah anyway I got convinced you know so off I went I got nominated for the Perrier and I got the phone call in the morning about seven o'clock and of course I'd only been in about two hours (laughs) so I staggered to the phone and it was Nika Burns and she said you've been nominated for the Perrier you've been nominated for the Perrier and I put the phone down went back to bed and Murphy said 
What was that about? And I said, I haven't got a clue. Nika Burns banging on about fizzy water. <laughs> Went back to sleep. So I had no idea. And it was there was me, Jack D, Eddie Izzard, Frank Skinner. Oh, what was his name? He, he was an American guy, lovely. He, he was done up as a clown. And he, he was very, very clever, though. And it was just a great time. And then from that, I sort of started getting dribs and drabs. You know, I'd go on Richard and Judy and stuff. And I w- I'd never swear, you know. I always told them that. And I never did. You know, I was um, I was always good as gold. Yeah. I'd be very racy. Yeah. You know, and I'd be on Des O'Connor tonight. And that was a really big show in its day, Des yeah. O'Connor tonight. It was huge. A parky. Yeah, par- oh, I used to love doing Parky. Oh, yeah, I was watching you on Parky the other day when I was researching. I've never laughed so much, sat in front of YouTube watching you. Well, he'd egg me on, Parky, you know, he was a bit of a bugger. Yeah. I mean, really, he'd egg me on, you know, because he'd, fe- he'd say to me, what do you think of when poor old Wayne Rooney, all the business with the, with the brass in Liverpool, and I cracked on it was me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I opened the door, so there he was, this little ginger-haired lad, and all this yeah. caper. Yeah, because Lily was sort of based on the on the girls up by the up in where was it Bradford? No, where where was Lotford? No, she wasn't quite Lum Lane. Lil, Lum Lane I always yeah. thought Lily. Uh, she she it was came as natural to her as drinking a cup of tea. You know what I mean? That attitude towards sex. Yeah, yeah. And she, and she wasn't judgmental. They were good things about Lily. Yeah. But also she's slightly religious because she was in the union of Catholic mothers. Oh. So. <laughs> So she was, so she was <laughs> the juxtaposition. She was a bit of a contradiction, was old little. Yeah, exactly. You know, she had these two kids who she, and a sister who she'd call, for, but and nobody else could call them. You know, anybody else said anything about them, they'd be murdered. Yeah. And she obviously liked animals because she had a whippet. And, <laughs> and so she, she was just, I don't know, I can't, re- people have asked me to explain it. And I said, I can't really. It was a fantasy figure. Yeah, she just was. Born from people I knew from my childhood. You know, there's a lot of my auntie Chris was a clippy on the buses and she had a mouth on her believe you me very glamorous a big blonde and so there's a little bit of a my mother's very dry you know she'd put you down with a line yeah and there's a bit of my auntie Annie's piousness and just sort of and the look was a bit dancehall sweet charity you know the, the, the hookers in the dancehall hostesses but also toned down to look you know in the lep- our leopard skin coat not Bet Lynch it wasn't that fancy yeah Fake Versace, you know, things like lots of cheap jewellery. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the roots in the wig, you know, she was sort of... A, but it was very odd. People, I mean, I still get taxi drivers saying to me, oh, and now fancy Lily. Really? <laughs> oh, lots of straight men did, yeah. Wow. Because, and I said to, to one cabbie, why is that? He said, because she'd drink you under the table, she'd fight you like a man, she wouldn't give a damn if you went missing for three weeks. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and all this business, and and I said, oh, and, and them legs, whoa, them legs, and all this business. And you think, oh my god! I said, but it's me you're talking to. This is very uncomfortable. <laughs> Would you ever bring her back, or that, or she's no, nah. too old. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you know, I always said. Um, I remember years ago, I said, when I'm forty, I'm packing this up. <laughs> anyway, I didn't. And then, but as I, I, by the time I'd reached 50, I had one foot in each camp, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And then um, now, the last thing I did for Lily, I did a thing for Sky, only because we needed an extra character. It was one of those little, uh, little crackers, you know, for Christmas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I dragged Lily out for that. And I did uh, Panto, and that was it. I want to talk about the early 2000s. Now, 
I have a vision of you down the Shadow Lounge. Oh, God, I used to live in there. I know. Do you have any memories? Oh, every night was a fab night down Shadow Lounge. I used to love it. I used to have a mate who was a male stripper, Shay. He went back to South Africa. Good pal. We go and have a meal first. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, there's a, there was a nice sort of oyster bar Frenchy place on Brewer Street. I don't know whether it's still there. It's that long. Funny enough, I was up there the other day doing a voiceover. I got in the car, went up, got out, went in the studio, got back in. It was like a ghost town. Yeah. So, uh, and I had a flat there while I was doing Panto at the Palladium and absolutely loved it. Loved living there. Down Berwick Street, down Brewer Street. It was fabulous. Right in the action zone. Yeah, yeah. loved it. You know, and of course, I've been going in Borovix that long, the fabric shop. You know, pop your head in there. How are you? Yeah. And what were teenage lads and our grandfathers? Yeah, they yeah. used to call me <laughs> Miss Whiplash. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> the thigh length boots Lily used to wear. Okay. <laughs> yes, Miss Whiplash. I mean, the shame of it. I was on the batter. So you'd always, so you'd be down Shadow Lounge. Yeah, Shadow Lounge was with Fab was fabulous because there was all sorts used to go. I mean, I used to take Scylla down there a lot. She loved Shadow Lounge. Yeah. So there was always, you know, like uh, Lee used to be down there, Alexander McQueen a lot. You know, it was just well, you know yourself. It's just a great crowd yeah. down Shadow Lounge, yeah. and they had that little VIP room which was like a colo. Yeah. Where they'd sit you in there and they put a bouncer in front of you and everybody'd stare at you. And it was fabulous. <laughs> It was just, it was just a great club, Shadow Lounge. Yeah, you know, before that, years ago, there used to be the piano bar on the corner there, by, and that was wonderful and all. I think it's before your time. Yeah, you know the alleyway between the old review bar yeah, and there's yeah. a new bar there. Well, that bar on the corner was the piano oh. bar, and you, I know there was a grand piano in there, somebody playing on it, and you could get up and sing if you wanted, and it was packed. It became escape. Next to JoJo's. That's right. Yeah. That's the it's, one. It's escape, game it escape. Yeah, that's it. That's gone now as well. Obviously, I mean, it's all gone, isn't it? Shadow Lounge now, I think, is... Um, they did turn it into a pole dancing club, like a Sophisticats type oh, thing. Now I think it's just oh, really? just empty now. And what's happened to the review bar? Because that came the box, That's the box. Um, obviously, nothing's open this year, but God knows what's going to reopen. I don't know. Because that's had a complete um, sort of refit, the, the, the review bar. Totally, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I was very friendly with Paul Raymond, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. He was... I know his granddaughter. Oh, oh, do you? Yeah. 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 I, I love PR. Loved him, honestly. He was such a smashing bloke. He used to take me to lunch at Lascargo, and I lived in a council flat then, and he'd send the rolls round. I think, <laughs> oh, my God, and all the neighbours looking. <laughs> and I'd get in it like an old tart. <laughs> and off we'd go. And we'd just sit. I got pally with him from when I worked at JoJo's. I was right. extremely fond of him. What about swanky showbiz do? So you're now on the telly. Lily's a superstar. I get bored. <laughs> Yeah. Honestly, no. Yeah. Honestly. And my idea to hell is a red carpet. Yeah. Seriously. Really feels like work, doesn't it? It's like... Oh, God almighty. Because you've got all... You've got all that... The public on the right-hand side all screaming. Yeah. So you, for selfies and what have you. And then on the left, you've got all the press and photographers and all. So I, I always time it until there's somebody, I don't know, from a reality show... Yeah. ...who's in, like, <laughs> wearing a cobweb and a tea bag. <laughs> And as soon as she goes, all the press are going, yeah, 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 I'll let it pass quick. I'm like a whippet. Yeah. So a lot of these folks, as you see this blur, that's me, <laughs> letting it pass. Because I have to stand there and they go, po, 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 this way, yeah, po, po, po. And I've got this terrible, rictus, cheesy grin on my face. And I think, you're never going to use these because it's... <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, you've got some the big glamour puss coming up in Biami in a minute now. From Love Island or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. from Love Island, half naked, you know, with boobs that could crush a building. <laughs> you think, so you know, why am I standing here like this? And then, you know, you you, are, you do all the press interviews and they say things to you like, so um, who would you like to win tonight? And half the time, I don't even know the nominees. <laughs> and, I, 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 you know, I go, oh, well, um, whoever, you know, blah, blah, blah. And what do you watch on telly? And, of course, the things I watch on telly, nobody seems to watch. Right. Stuff like Gotham, I was crazy for. An American Horror Story. Oh, love. And Wentworth Prison. Yeah. I loved American Horror Story. And me, Fabi, and the one with Gaga. Gaga was stunning in it. Love. Because Gaga came on the Tea Time show before she was that well known. And we, we sort of, we, we, we're not best friends at all by any means, but we were very, we became friends, you know, little letters here and there. Yeah. And then she came on the big show, you know, when she'd really made it. She's such a sweet woman. Yeah. I love her. Have you ever been out with her? No, but I've sat in the dressing room with her for a good hour and a half. We've chewed the cud. You know, it's, she's just... A, she's great. Oh, she's fabulous. I'm such a fan. She's wonderful. I love her. A pop royalty now, isn't she? Oh, she's marvellous. Yeah, she really... And Star is born. She was fabulous. I'm so proud of her, you know, because we had her on the tea time. Yeah. And she, was, she came in to rehearse in the afternoon and I said to her, God, you should sing the blues because she's playing the piano and singing. And she had this beautiful voice, and she still has got a beautiful voice. Yeah. And I thought, you're no, um, you're no, like, you know, Johnny come lately, overnight star. You're, you're going to be something massive. And and she, and she was so quirky. And she loved things like Gypsy the musical. And um, we had a, we just, there was just a lot of things we both liked her that we could talk about. And I just got on so well. I genuinely adored her. I thought she was marvellous. Good luck to her. Have you ever rubbed shoulders with the royals on the dance floor, speaking of royalty? Oh, I, yes, yeah. a few times. Oh. You know, the Royal Variety. Oh, yeah. of course, yes. Up. Yeah, uh, you know, and you never know what to say because I've just been there blowing a bugle with b- b- my head between my legs, uh, you know, to the Queen on in the box with Scylla and Barbara wins and when we did, you got to have a gimmick. Oh, yes, and, of course, yes. And then here's the Queen, you know, uh, uh, along she comes and it's... <laughs> I just think I find this very odd. Yeah. But, and often, you know, and often, often at charities, Camilla, she's a sweet arse. I'm very fond of her. Yeah. yeah, I really am. Yeah. And you do, you know, I remember doing the Duke of Edinburgh Awards as Lily in St. James's Palace. And Prince Philip's face. <laughs> and I said to him, there hasn't been the likes of me in here since Nell Gwynn, sir. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you can say that again. <laughs> <laughs> they get it though, surely, right? Oh, they do, for God's sake. They're all human, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> You've done a lot of panto. Does that ever get quite raucous backstage? Are they like big after show parties and stuff? We used to years ago. I remember we did Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs in Southampton. One of the cast said, This is like the Rolling Stones to Snow White. <laughs> really? Because I had a flat nearby and it became Party Central. So, you know, we go to the pub and then back to my flat. And it was the time of that terrible winter where we all got snowbound and we couldn't go home. So it was all, what are we going to do? I know what we'll do. Ball back to mine. You know, there'd be like 30 people in my flat and somebody'd be cooking a huge dinner and the booze would be getting laced down. You'd have the seven dwarfs there and everybody. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I I, mean, last Cinderella we didn't because we were doing two a day, six, uh, six, days, six days a week for six weeks. 
So there's no, forget it. You're just too tired. And plus, I'm too old to be, you know, kicking meals in a club at four o'clock in the morning and then go in and do a matinee. <laughs> so no, that, that was home to bed. Drawn a line under that one. Yeah. Well, but the thing is, these young dancers, I, was, I say to them, go for it. You know, go out and enjoy yourself uh, because you've got the energy. I said, I did. Look at me. I'm a wreck. I'm a burnt out wreck of a once glorious disco. <laughs> be warned. But occasionally I go out and have a drink with them, but only to the pub, you know. Not to, but we used to. We always used to. There used to be a big social life, and anything, you know, when we were on tour with Annie, yeah, and Prisoner of Cell Block H, the musical, all these things, because you're away from home, yeah. So what are you going to do? Go and sit in a hotel room, yeah. No, yeah, you know, yeah. you're going to go out for a meal, you're going to go out for a drink, you're going to go to a club, you're going to end up in a skip at seven yeah. o'clock in the morning, wondering <laughs> where the hell am I, clutching a kebab. <laughs> <laughs> And with nightlife being closed again now... Oh, it's so sad. Yeah. What impact do you think that will have on the country, on performers? Uh, do you know what? I, well, as you gathered now, <laughs> Jody, I'm, I'm, I'm a big pub and club fan. Mm. I really am. I really, really am. I've spent my most part of my life in boozers and clubs, either working in them or drinking in them, and I love them dearly, all sorts. Mm. And it breaks me heart to think that the club trade is going to go under completely. It really does. And that theatres are going to be taken over by Chinese businessmen and turned into casinos. And what, what you know? What about everybody? What about all the crew? Yeah. What about makeup, wig dressers, actors, musicians, front of house staff, the cleaners? You name it, all out of work. And of course, it's got a knockdown effect because then the pubs—they're all closed. The restaurants are closed. The cabbies are doing no business. It's just a dreadful. Yeah. Just dreadful. What do you think of the government handling of the nightlife sector and? The curfew and the... Well, it's been ignored. Yeah. Really. I mean, 10 o'clock's ridiculous. Yeah. It's, what's the point of that? The virus doesn't say, right, okay, you know, I'll stay in till 10 o'clock and then I'm coming out. Yeah. It's, I, don't, I don't get it, really. It's like prohibition. It doesn't work. So you'll leave the pub at 10 o'clock. You've had a few scoops. You're up for a couple more. You'll go into a supermarket, your local corner shop, the off-license, get booze. Ball back to mine. You know, so it, it's it cost effect. It just doesn't work. I think it's daft. It really is. Mm. And all this business, you've got to have a meal or you've got to have a three call. I don't get it. I don't understand. I really don't. Mm. You know, it's, it's just very, what we need, there's no clarity in all these rules and they change every day. You know, like we're in lockdown again. And like Kent at the moment, we've had, because I've been filming, I did a series about Kent. I've just finished it now, and it, we were very lucky because the infection rate was extremely low while we were filming. And of course, I was in contact with so many people, so I was constantly testing myself, you know, sending off for tests. And you get your results on the internet, and you're like, Ugh. it's like waiting for OLED results or something. Have <laughs> you failed or passed? Yeah. <laughs> and you click, go negative. You go, oh, I'm negative. Yeah. Uh, because one of our crew, she was pregnant, so that was my big worry. Yeah, you know, so that it was safety first for me, but I don't know. Just the club scene and the pubs—will they ever recover? Yeah. And just when they were getting on the feet again, and they get all the booze in, and they get all the stocking, this happens. Bang! That's a fortune wasted again. You know. Yeah. 
Uh, and but they've been they're very I think they've been very clever I mean they've sort of adapted to it by doing takeaways and carry out and all that and, and yeah. take away Day, meals daytime and take parties and stuff and with meals but and it's not the same you no. go to a pub to socialise no. you know you go to meet people to meet your friends to, to, for a bit of normality to play a game of pool or whatever or if you all want to watch football you've got Sky TV there the size of you know a white van, yes, yeah. the screen, you know, but that's what it's about socializing, it's about meeting people, and of course, people have had that taken away from them, and that's going to affect them, yeah. They're going on about mental health, you know, but it, I mean, I'm all, ugh, I don't know, it's, it's, I don't think this is going to change the world, yeah, that's what I think, yeah, I agree. Things are never going to be the same again. And I think the sooner we get used to that and adapt, the better we'll be. But we don't know what to adapt to because we're not being given clear instructions. Yeah. You know, it's you can't do this. You can, you can have a tattoo, but you can't hold your dying granny's hands. You think, what, what the... You know, hairdressers are shut again. Yeah, you can go to the dentist. <laughs> you know, and yet you can sit on a tube, a packed tube. Or it's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, but you can't go to the theatre. Although the Palladium are doing Panto this year. Are they? Socially distant? It's more of a variety show, you know. Yeah. But with all the sorts of the, the Panto lot all in it. I'm not doing it this I'd already decided I wasn't doing I've retired yeah. from Panto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's end on a, on a nice, uh, on a jolly note. <laughs> you're, you're throwing a party. Give me three names that are on your guest list. They could be living or dead. Oh, God, I'm throwing a party. Do you know, it's when you do press and they say, who would you invite to a dinner party, 12 people, living or dead? Yeah, it's literally what I'm asking you. <laughs> I always say I don't have dinner parties. <laughs> who would I invite? Well, I'd invite you, of course. You oh, can thank come. you. Okay. That's who would I invite? Who, uh, from the, uh, Gypsy Rosalie, because I'm very friendly with Gypsy's son, Eric. And um, yeah, she'd be good value, old Gypsy. We'd have her there. And who else could we have? Somebody interesting. Um, ooh, oh, I know we'd have Catherine de Medici. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yes. She'd, uh, she'd teach us the fine arts of poisoning. Oh, <laughs> that sounds quite useful. I like it. Yeah, I just, and it'd be a very small, intimate dinner party, I assume. Yeah. I'm looking forward yeah. to that. I'm not keen on dinner parties, are you? No. I like a dance. I do, well, I don't do dancing anymore. I like a little quad, sleazy drinking club where I can get myself stuck in the corner with me cronies. Yeah, <laughs> that's where we'll do our. That's where we'll do this. That sounds good. <laughs> well, Paul O'Grady, this has been your life of the party. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like that's all I've done, isn't it? Clubbing it, clubbing it, clubbing it. But it's true, that's all I have done. Yeah, from day one. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. Listen, it's a pleasure. And you look after yourself, do you? Thank you. You too, Paul. Oh, no, I'm safe down here in Kent. All I've got to talk to is sheep, believe you me. (laughs) (laughs) I'll see you soon. Take it easy, kids. See you soon. See ya. This has been Life of the Party with me, Jodie Harsh. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you haven't subscribed just yet, please do. There's a new episode every week. Right, see you at the next party.